you know, if I have my tuba these days, people be able to know, oh, he, know, he can carry a bunch of groceries in one trip. It'll be... <laughs> Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right, well, welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. I'm here with Sean Crawford, and, well, our mic stands are not cooperating, folks, so you're going to hear some background noise, but we'll get through this. So, Sean, thanks for taking the time to be with me. We've, uh, we've been, How long has it been we've been trying to make this happen? Like three months? I think it's been longer than three yeah, months. Yeah, probably. So I saw you... How did I see? Was it in Sale Times they did an article about musicians playing in retail stores? Not quite. It would have been more uh, King Five News. Okay, that's right. Um, shout out to the very lovely and very friendly Erica Zuka for reaching out to me. It was really funny, too, because it was like the start of a new program. And I had just started with a company myself, a company by the name of Gigs for You. And Mr. They, Beeson. Oh, yeah, Mr. Beeson, very, very kind gentleman. I know he had him on his podcast yeah. on this podcast recently so uh man it's been fun ever since okay so you so we saw you on so king five so let's talk about well yeah let's talk about that first mm-hmm. so they reached out to, to you and what what were they trying to do to kind of jumpstart retail back back when we we're coming out of the pandemic mm-hmm. and so they were hiring musicians to sit and play yeah and, just trying to like bring folks into the shop and uh try and drum up business a little bit trying to help out musicians as well as a lot of the small businesses out here which um i thought was a very creative idea and a very fun idea as well um i had a good time doing so how many of those uh well i don't want to call them a show per se but how many times did you do that i did it a lot uh i can't even count on my hand how many times we did it in the last two months of the holiday season i want to say like 30 40 shows maybe. really yeah. So where were some of the places they had you playing? Um, we played, a, or I played at a place called Ola Wola in uh, Columbia City. They do something called Soul Chains. So it's crystals and chains that are made for, you know, bring out people's personal vibrations and everything. Um, love the owners of that shop. Um, uh, another hair company that I played for up here, Queen Care in the Columbia City mm-hmm. area. Um, did a show with them, and that was always a lot of fun and resonated with me, too, because uh, my mother uh, back home, she also owned a beauty supply store and was one of the first of its kind back in the North Texas area. So it was fun kind of like reconnecting with that and trying to help bring folks in. And then there were also like a run of shows that we would go out to Westlake Park, you know, playing music to people throughout the holidays, you know, playing all the classic hits <laughs> that people hear over and over again, especially if you if you were working retail at one of those places at the time, I apologize. <laughs> people love Santa Baby, so I got to give the people what they want, and I hope they fall in love with something else this year so I can run that to the ground as well. <laughs> all right, so you mentioned North Texas. So when we talked before, you grew up North Texas. Mm-hmm. When did you move up here to Seattle? I moved up here in 2018. Why did you leave Texas for here? Um, I got really tired of two months straight of 100 degree weather. Okay. Uh, But seriously, um, I just felt like my needs were really being met. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, I I liken it to this. to the folks who follow basketball um, at all, you know, the story of a person like Kevin Garnett, you know, living in Minnesota, playing in Minnesota for damn near 12, 13 years, you know, he had a lot of personal success, but, you know, the team around him didn't really do much to warrant that. All this hard work didn't really, you know, didn't have a lot to show for it. Makes the decision around 2008 to go to Boston within the first couple of years, he's an NBA champion. Something that, you know, for myself, watching him growing up should have happened way sooner. So similar situation for me. I was busting my ass in Texas and uh, 
things did not pan out the way I would want to. So like give you an idea of how it was. It was two hour bus rides with the guitar amplifier, my pedal board and my guitar just to get to practice, just to get to shows because I have a car until I was about 21. So, you know, doing that for most of your young adult life and what you have for what you have to show for it is two albums that you hate your own sound on and a lot of resentment for the people that, you know, they're and it's not their fault. You know, people have their priorities and life happens. But, you know, you put a lot of energy into folks that you don't really talk to anymore and. It's like the a St. Vincent song, you know, I regret more the words I've bitten more than the ones I ever said. So whenever I started kind of like thinking about all the times I held back and, you know, I was like, man, I need to I need to change or something. Plus, 20 years being in one place is destined to make anyone stir crazy and be like, I got to get out of here. So you were saying you took two hour bus rides. Mm-hmm. What town were you, did you grow up in? So I grew up in Dallas originally. In Dallas, okay. But um, me and my family moved all around the North Texas area. So Addison, Garland, Plano. I went to the high school in Plano. Okay. Um, even McKinney before it got really nice. Mm-hmm. So um, what would happen was if I was uh, staying somewhere in Dallas, public transportation wasn't terrible. But like you go to somewhere like Plano, you know, everyone there is driving. It's kind of like think about um. I'll say Plano is a lot like. Oh, I've got friends in Plano. Oh, so you you probably know. I know a little bit about the, Plano. The strangest thing I can say about Plano. Yeah. The best sushi I've ever had in my life was in Plano, Texas. I, are you talking about Sushi Shack? I don't remember the name of it. A okay. little hole in the wall. I think we might be talking about the same place. I uh, so my so a friend of mine um, owns an auto repair shop down there, mm-hmm. off Jupiter Parkway. Which parkway? Oh, Jupiter. Ooh, yeah, we're talking about the same place. Okay. So I used to go down there because uh, I was part of a business marketing coaching group. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I went down there and we were staying overnight. And he goes, well, why don't you go out to dinner with us? We're going to go have sushi. And I'm just like, Texas? <laughs> so, you mean steak, right? And he's like, no, no, we're going for sushi. I'm like, I'm giving him that look like you're trying to sell me airport sushi or day old sushi from the gas station or something. <laughs> Come on now. And it was amazing. And I'm not, I'm not a sushi connoisseur. I'm not trying to, you know, but it was, it was phenomenal. But yeah, there's no easy way to get around in Plano. No, no easy way at all. Like, um, I remember, and this is, I'm going to tag the people who used to do this back in Texas. So I can tell you how I really feel. There would be people who would randomly pull up, seeing me walking in all black and hundred degree weather just to say hi. And really, I was like, hey, why don't you give me a lift? But I also understand I also had like a bunch of stuff on my back, so it probably wouldn't fit in the car. But if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, you should have just passed me by and told me that you saw me later on in the day because <laughs> I'm still very upset about that. Yeah. Okay. So you moved. Well, why not Austin? I mean, because Austin, I mean, I've never been to Austin, but mm-hmm. Austin, I've heard one or two things about it being kind of a music place. So. I'm kidding. You know, lots yeah. of things about Austin. A lot of, a lot of things but about Austin. Why not Austin? Why why Seattle? Um, not that we're not that we're. Well, you're wearing a Sonics shirt now, which is. I don't know if I like it or really dislike it, because it just opened the wound. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I like the Sonics stuff because it's like a tribute to the last time I liked Kevin Durant, and I know a lot of Sonics fans are gonna come at me for that. Y'all have not been watching basketball the last eight years. The man has turned into a menace. Just trust me on this one. It's a good thing that y'all didn't have to deal with that while he was up here. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Still, it's an open wound, man. I, I understand. It was an open wound. I listen. If I lost my, if I lost the Mavericks to Oklahoma, I would be very pissed. Well, just the way it went down. <laughs> oh yeah. Just the way it went down. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. When you were deciding to move from from North Texas, mm-hmm. was Seattle the only place you considered? Um, there were a lot of places I considered. Um, I've got some family in Georgia, so Atlanta looked really attractive. Um, I 
I have always dreamed of living in New York City at some point, and now I'm, I'm glad I didn't make that decision because I would definitely be under a bridge. Um, the reason why I picked Seattle over in Austin was definitely because I have been up here a lot on tour. Shout out to my boys in Thieves of Sunrise, Matthew, all of them. Uh, we have been there a lot, or been here a lot on tour, and I just fell in love with everything in the city. The food, some of the people I met up here. Um, I remember our first show up here, I met the folks at uh, Emerald City Guitars, who I did that uh, interview with. I called them up. On King 5. Oh, yeah, no, I, I actually almost did that this time around, but they're closed Sundays. I called them up, was like, hey, you know, Erica wants to come do this story. I really don't want them to come to my house because it is a wreck. And this is back when I'm living in White Center, too. So it was going to be a trek. It's like, can we go do this episode at your place? And I'm like, yeah, sure, come over. And I feel guilty sometimes, too. I tell them that because I have not bought anything there in a while. But every time I pull up, it's always smiles. And they're, you know, a big reason why I'm able to do what I do up here. So I'm very grateful for that shop. Um, if you're ever in Pioneer Square, please go say hi to the family up there. Trevor, all them kindest people in the world. Okay. So you moved up to Seattle. Yeah. Well, before we go before we go and unpack the Seattle piece, describe describe to my listeners your take of what your music is. How would you describe your musical style? My music is at the intersection of shoegaze and soul. So I try to create soundscapes that are dreamy enough for yourself to get lost in, but rhythms that keep you rooted. Okay. To, so I'll try to put it this way. I want my music to sound like a daydream, but have some root in reality so that way you don't get too carried away. You know, it's a lot of optimism but it's realistic optimism that's what i feel like all right before we're gonna still have to go backwards mm -hmm. so when did you start playing guitar was that your first instrument no my first instrument was actually the trombone and then also the tuba okay yeah um i could make a joke about you know it's hard to find girls with trombones and tubas and guitars a little little more a you little... know what I'll, I'll be honest it's these days, I think it would have served me better because you see people playing trombone and you're like, wow, this guy has a great sense of humor. Okay. Because, you know, as soon as someone does something dumb, I'm hitting that on deck. And, you know, if I have my tuba these days, people will be able to know, oh, he, know, he can carry a bunch of groceries in one trip. It'll be... <laughs> He's he he sweep me off my feet at any size I'm at. I know I know that's why my girl like me right now. You know she's very impressed by the fact that like I just be carrying a bunch of stuff on my back, have her on my shoulder. She's like, yeah, no, I made the right choice. <laughs> so fellas, if you're listening to this, go get in the gym, go get yourself a sousaphone. Forget all this guitar stuff; it's overrated. There's too many of us as there is. <laughs> All right. So trombone and tuba, when when did you start playing guitar? I started playing guitar around 14. Okay. Um, my uncle and my grandfather and my mom got me onto a lot of music as a kid. And uh, around that age, I was listening to like a lot of Beatles, Rush, Led Zeppelin, Temptations, starting to figure out all the stuff that I kind of was essentially become my personality when I got older. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember my folks walked in with like a uh, first act guitar and uh it's been a journey ever since remember the first song i learned was like paranoid by black sabbath and like <laughs> it's just pointy black guitar and this tiny blue dan electro amp that was powered by a nine volt battery and i i've been a nuisance ever since <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Who was the first guitar player that you, you know, looked up to when, when you got your guitar? Who, so who, I mean, you learned Paranoid, but who, early on in your journey, who was that? Was there a guitar player that was like anointed above everybody else? For me, it was definitely George Harrison. And it still is George Harrison. Like you see 
my two Gretches on there. You see the Vox AC30 over there. All I wanted to do as a child was become the second Black Beetle behind uh, Billy Preston. Um, George just had something about him that was super melodic but attainable. You know, um, I remember, and people are going to laugh, but I need y'all to go listen to this track. I remember hearing Octopus's Garden for the first time. And I was like, yeah, this is funny. A song about being underwater. We all love Ringo for his funny stuff. But some of this guitar work's kind of tasty. You know, it, it had some kind of country licks in it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of dope. And then getting into his later work with the solo stuff. Um, I just feel like his guitar work is very underrated in the eyes of a lot of guitar players and it doesn't get enough love. You know, we talk about Clapton, we talk about Hendrix and as much as I love one, can't stand the other. Wait, 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 going to put you on the spot. Which one, which one do you love of the two? Love Hendrix. Okay. Cause you're in Seattle. You were going to get, yeah, off no, the, I uh, was not about, listen, I'm, I'm smart. <laughs> I, I did my PR work before I got here. No. And, and, and like full disclosure, it's not Clapton's fault. It's mainly his fans. <laughs> okay. You know how it is. Like you, 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 you hear fan base prop up this thing for so long. And I know it's ironic for me to say this as a Beatles fan. And then you listen to it and it's like, it's okay. And then their fans are like, what do you mean? It's okay. It's the greatest thing ever. And you're like, okay. Pause. Yeah, yeah, but, well, you know, all of our, all of our opinions are subjective. So I, well, I do agree with you, but you know, because all right, Harrison, that's actually a really interesting because mm-hmm. he is an underrated guitar player. Right. And the fact that like, I feel like, and this is me, we're, we're going back to 13 year old Sean here. I know that they were young men and a rock band essentially given the world and they might have made the best decisions, but something about George always struck me as he's the one I would hang out with. Paul would annoy me. Ringo. I feel like he and I would just goof off the whole time. John would definitely annoy me, but I feel like George and I would be besties. Okay. All right. Did you see, um, what was that movie that just came came out a little while ago? Was it Let It Be? Uh, it was Get Back. I get think. Back. Get Back. They're doing the. Um, so did you watch that? Let it be joints. I did not. I'm, I want to, because I keep seeing like little clips on on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it looks like a lot of fun. But I don't have that kind of time these days. It, it's it was really interesting to me. The thing that I took away from it was that during that period of time, what they captured on film and what they shared with the audience. Mm-hmm did not make Paul McCartney look like a particularly nice human being. And the fact that Paul and Ringo both were involved in the, in the movie, mm-hmm. the fact that Paul actually, I, where I'm going with this is that Paul looked like a complete asshole. Excuse my language listeners. <laughs> but the Paul allowed that to be released mm-hmm. made me think more of Paul McCartney. Okay. If that makes sense, because it was like, he was, he was not, I mean, Lennon was not right. Right. Lennon was messed up. But he was, Paul was really not kind to George at all. And George just sat there and you could almost see him like shrinking into himself mm-hmm. in the studio. And yeah, it was just, it was really weird to watch. And the other takeaway on that one was the first time they're playing Let It Be, which you and I both know is one of the major hits of mm-hmm. the last hundred years. And they don't know what it is. And they're playing it. And, and Paul's singing it kind of very tentatively. And it was really kind of weird to watch. Right. It's yeah. like, we all know it as a hit, but like, at, that's why I like things like that. And I wish more folks were a little more open about the songwriting process because it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you put something together and you're not sure if you like it. You're not sure if people are going to like it. It's, it's essentially being especially in that environment i was was probably like being naked in front of people it's very vulnerable it's very stressing too i wouldn't want to put put up with that right (laughs) right and i do but it's still like and i can't imagine it's like hey i have this idea and it's you know a lot of times it's how you pitch the idea too so i got to see that clip because i would love to see like how that grew to be the song that we know nowadays Well, let me ask you this. So 
early on, you're a Harrison and still a Harrison fan. Mm -hmm. Let's flash forward to 2022, present day. Are there any guitar players out there right now that you're like, I really like what they're doing, like some element of what they're doing? Yeah, and um, folks, get out your pen and paper because I'm about to put all y'all on to a lot of folks that I enjoy, not just locally, but also in general. So first one I got to give a big shout out to is Jimmy James of the True Loves and of the DL3 band, the Delvon Lamar trio, right? Um, This man is one of the most tasteful guitar players I've ever come across. On top of that, the brother's funny. And is very kind. I remember that's surprisingly one of the first folk that I talked to, even throughout the pandemic. You know, we'd be sitting up talking for like two hours every now and again. And I'm like, bro, don't you got to get ready to go overseas soon? Like, why are you talking to me? I ain't nobody. But he's very genuine and very kind. Dope guitar player. Um, Let's go with a homer. This is from Austin. Jackie Fenson. Um, she does a lot of solo work by herself, plays with the trio down there, um, has been tearing it up in that scene for a while now. She's been doing a lot of work all over the United States. Uh, she's amazing. Um, let's try another folk up here from Seattle. Oh, man, I'm blanking. Here's the issue. I know a lot of people that I really enjoy listening to, and I try and steal things from every now and again. Uh, Raphael Tranquilo. Uh, oh, no, I, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Raphael. Um, he plays a lot in the Everett scene, plays a lot in like the Washington scene in general. Mm-hmm. Very fantastic blues player. Love hearing him play slide. Um, he is impressive for me not just as a guitar player but also as a showman like his sincerity comes through in a lot of his showmanship he's very kind as well um this isn't a homer this homegirl that just moved to la celeste um she's been doing a lot of work with brandy carlisle recently okay um opening up shows for her um has done some stuff on uh, snl as well just a knockdown powerful guitar player and she can sing okay um i'm trying to think um no one not related to anyone tommy emmanuel okay. tommy emmanuel is a gentleman from the land on under kind of the same school as like a mark Knopfler and um i would say chet atkins you know in a way that like their finger style playing is very unique to them and uh uh, you should hear his version of Lady Madonna. It's actually really fun, where he plays essentially all the parts to Lady Madonna, uh, Day Tripper, and another Beatles song, but he's just playing it all on guitar. Mm. Very fantastic player. And again, someone that, like, you hear him talk in interviews, and you're like, you know, I could, I could see myself getting lunch with him. He's very kind. Okay. I'm going to mess up the structure of this episode just from what I normally do, because we're sitting here. And I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guitars. <laughs> all right, eight guitars sitting here within arm's reach of me. They're all out of tune, by the way, just by my proximity. They've all, <laughs> they're all out of tune now. You can only take one guitar with you. Mm-hmm. That's it. The rest of your life, you got to play one guitar. What's it going to be? For my collection or just in general? Well, let's go with your collection first. All right. So in my collection, it'll be my orange Gretsch that is in my case right now. Okay. In that battered case. I've had that guitar since high school. Okay. Um, it's... I've played it in every situation. I've lusted after a guitar like that for a long time. Like, my, th- my top three guitar players I feel like influence what I do would be Dwayne Eddy plays an orange Gretsch. Brian Setzer also plays an orange Gretsch. And Chet Atkins used to famously play an Orange Gretsch, okay. right? Those are, like, three of my players I said, like, I want to be a combination of them. So whenever, you know, it's not the same model as them, but it's just, like, it embodies everything that I enjoy. Like, there's a little bit of twang in it. It's hollow body, so I can play good jazz with it. Um, the Bixby helps with a lot of, like, things I try to be innovative with, like, you know, bends, um since it's a hollow body it feeds back so like i feel like energy wise it's just like i am it's like 
big and silent and you don't see a lot of them out like you know every time i take it out the last eight years i've had it they're just, people are just like man that's such a pretty guitar and you know it's just been everywhere and back with me um i am a little disappointed that i can't take it with me on this one trip but it's that's my baby you know? uh, so okay now you can now you can go buy a guitar i mean we're not trying to just just yeah. discount this one but <laughs> you can buy a guitar Remember, this can be the only guitar you can ever play again. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard because every instrument's unique. It's it's not hard. Oh, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. Okay. It's a Gretschweig Falcon. So it's everything that I love about that guitar. White and gold. Oh. It looks like a Cadillac, actually. A friend of mine plays one. <laughs> so you so you know what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he'll never He'll never lets he never lets it out of his sight. That is my desert island guitar. The moment I own a white falcon is the moment I know I will have made it as an adult, as a man. That's an adulting thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's that's the goal. And I remember I told my parents about it when I was growing up. And they're like, "Bro, how are you gonna have a guitar that's more expensive than the car you drive?" I'm like, uh, you know, priorities, priorities. Yeah, priorities. no. And like, I remember the first time I I played one, even as a kid. I was like 15 and thankfully at that time I was already taller than everyone at the guitar center. So they couldn't be like, don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember I, I went up and grabbed that some gun and uh, started playing on it. I was like, wow, this is a really, really fantastic guitar. It had all the tones I liked in it. It was beautiful. It looks like a big old Cadillac from the 50s. It does look like a Cadillac. Yeah, that's yeah. a great description that, of it. You know what? That, that might be my uh, grandfather's influence on me because he used to drive a Cadillac that was black and had some gold trimming on it. So okay, that that's the goal one day is like black, uh, White Falcon, AC 30 amp, and I'm happy for the rest of my days. Okay. All right. Yeah, normally, normally I would ask questions like that near the end, but we'll just throw them in the middle. <laughs> We still haven't talked about anything about Washington State in this episode, which is maybe now the longest time that we've avoided the state of Washington on the Exploring Washington State podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved to Seattle. Yeah. Did you know anybody here? I mean, you, you played here before, but did you know anybody? So the, the way we came up here was interesting. And I say we, I'm including my family in this. So my mom and my dad moved up here. I want to say around 2014 okay she needed to change the scene she had a really good uh job offer up here and so she brought her and my dad and my sisters up here so at least i had family i could have you know crashed with but in terms of the folks in the scene again the only people i knew up here at that time were uh michael from the central saloon mm -hmm. um he used to book these at sunrise a lot it's funny i played um central saloon in one of my groups a couple weeks ago michael's like i've seen you so i've seen you somewhere before i'm like yeah i used to play here a lot it's like wait that big ass tour bus i'm like yes <laughs> i'm that kid you're that kid yeah. okay so how was the how were how are the seattle musicians were they welcoming they're very well you know what for as much as i heard about the seattle freeze i had no issue making friends up here the musicianship and uh that, and that was the thing i really um, as much as I hated my time in coming here with COVID happening right afterwards, the musicians here have been so welcoming. Like, I would not have the opportunities I have these days if it weren't for the people that I've met up here. Like, and I don't think as supportive as the music scene is here and the people who love music go out to see live music, I don't think there's enough people that know about it. Because I feel like every time I run into somebody and I'm like, oh, do you know, like talking about my friends, Lil Fonda, you know, two twin sisters that I love their songs a lot. But what I love more is the fact that, like, I love families that can work together to make something like that work. And seeing those two on stage do their thing, you can tell the love between them is super real. And I'm like, damn. I wish I could get my sisters to play in a band with me, but it would not look like that. We more like the Robinson brothers throwing <laughs> hands on stage. But yeah, um, the scene up here has been far more 
kind than I was expecting it to be. Not just Seattle, um, the folks in Everett have been kind as well. Um, folks abroad, uh, not abroad, but like beyond even Everett have been super welcoming. Um, people just want to support dope things. And I don't know. It's just, I, I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of competition here with everyone. Everybody's competition here is with themselves and what they can do next. If that makes sense. It does. It, uh, we're all very competitive, but we're not going to necessarily stab you in the back to get ahead. We're going to just practice harder. So we're better than you. Right. Which, we're going to rise to our level of our abilities. Right. Versus, and, yeah. And that's another thing too, is that like, now I'm talking to you realizing I have a lot of folks here. Uh, I feel like in other, in any other context, they would not speak to me. Like, um, person that was on the voice page Turner, another kick-ass guitar player and a very amazing singer um i remember we played a show together and i remember again like I, we've talked about it before i'm not the most confident when it comes to my voice um but the fact that i was booked on the bill with her and my friends in the fonda i was like are y'all sure about this and they're like yeah man you'd be a great fit and i'm like thank you and also freaking out because everyone on that bill could sing their ass off and i'm just sitting here like i can play guitar solos <laughs> i'll do that for an hour <laughs> so when you got to seattle where were some of the first places you started going out to to see the music scene now you probably had a very brief period of time before you couldn't go out so yeah where typical question i ask a musician is this mm -hmm. and you might not you might not have as big a pool you might but is Where's the coolest place you played in Washington as a performer that took care of you? In other words, like you're like, this is a venue for me as a musician. I like being here. So this is going to say a lot coming from me, knowing that a lot of venues end up being in bars. And I'm not someone that really typically enjoys bars. Um, and people know that about me. I'm just extroverted on stage very introverted off it um it's hard to think about the coolest because they've all been really dope like um the folks at numos the one time that i've played there they're very kind mm -hmm. i would say that's one of the cool venues i've played up here um and you're right my pool isn't too big but like you know what let's go a little weirder let's say there's a house venue here in the university district uh, called The Nook. I've played a show up there and this, the folks that were running the show there were very kind. Uh, it was one of those situations where they had like a little room set up for all the artists to set up in. So I was just kind of holed up there until it was time for me to go do my set. But like people will come in and check and be like, hey man, you want anything? And I'm like, no, I'm good. It's like, are you sure? And I'm like, no, I'm fine you, listen just give me a glass of water and i'm fine <laughs> but they were like very on top of making sure that you were taken care of so shout out to the nook and independent venues like that um i do have one dream venue that i want to make into a thing okay. that i don't know is a thing up here yet um have you heard and you probably have the wall of death no over in Utah. okay so on in the underpass in university village there is this like structure called the wall of deaths or like those little mo motorcycle joints. Mm -hmm. And apparently it used to be like a really popular skating place, but you know, they had one accident and like a bunch of complaints. And so they've made it to where it's impossible to skate there. Now I want to throw a show in there one day. Now I don't know who I need to get in contact with, with the city in regards to making that happen, but I want to make that happen. Okay. Um, trying to think of other venues that i really like well let's let's go at it from another angle as well yeah, where yeah. have you seen music that you like the venue as a as an audience member as an audience member um this is going to be me saying a lot too because i don't see music very often mm -hmm. usually because it's like you get up and you're like i'm gonna go do something today and then you start having all those like logistical questions like where am i gonna park am i gonna <laughs> be able to afford parking is my car gonna be safe uh, I'm laughing because it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is not the business. I would say I like catching shows at Cafe Racer these days. Okay, oh, you know Cafe Racer's fun. 
another venue that I forgot to bring up earlier, the Crocodile. The old one or the new one? The new. So I've never been to the old one. Okay, I've been to the new one. The new one's fun. The new one's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, I've played a show with Acetone there. Then also play, or I also went to a couple shows there as well. Um, Conway the Machine was just in town. I went to go see that. I was like, man, this is a really dope venue. Um, took care of everybody. It was it's close by to. Um, I can't say enough cool things about that stage playing on it, and then the vibe that they bring about it. Have you ever played or been to the Tractor in Ballard? Yes, I've played the Tractor in Ballard. I haven't been there as a patron yet. But the staff there are really dope. I remember I came in and I had a million questions about parking. <laughs> and uh, I, I forget her name, but she was very kind. She's like, yeah, you know, you can just come behind the building. You park there, you know, make sure you hurry up and get in here for sound check. So that way you can go to Hattie's Hat yep. next door. I like that little relationship they got with them right there. So that's always a lot of fun. Another show that's another place, that, another place that's fun she shows at. Um, Connor Byrne. I've never been there, but you're like the third person to say that now. Connor Byrne's a lot of fun, and I don't know what it is about me. Like I've never played in a band that's less than five people. Oh, and so like the last band I played in there was Rub. They're like a six-piece band. There's two drummers. There's keyboards. There's me being the force I am, and then there's two singers, and. We're on this tiny stage that also shares the stage with the piano. And uh, the piano sounds really good, too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really cool venue. I like the area. Um, and, again, the staff. I have not had any complaints with staff here. Okay. And that's something I can't say for a lot of places that I've played at. But, like, everyone here has been pretty top-notch. So when I ask that question... Well, I haven't asked you the third question of that. So, where do you want to play in Washington State? You can play any venue now, anywhere in Washington State. Where would you want to play? I'm going to get really close to the microphone. I want you to send this to whoever you need to send this to to make it happen. I want to play the Kraken game. The Kraken game? The Kraken games uh, over my climate pledge arena really yeah have you seen those i have not um so they've been having a lot of local bands play these shows my friend shana's done it my boys and citrus have done it uh warren dunes another band y'all should go check out very sweet people they've done a show there book me at a seattle cracking game please i beg of you I will do whatever songs y'all want. It'll be a great time. I'll even like, I'll wear a custom jersey as well. I'll disavow my fanship of the Dallas Stars. I, listen, I, I'll pay y'all to do it. I don't really care. I just want to do it. I want to be playing the guitar solo while there's a fight happening on the rink. That's something I need in my life. And I feel like you know the right people to make that happen. And if you don't, someone listening to the podcast will. So please and thank you. I have somebody I can reach out to to start that conversation. <laughs> they won't be the right person, but they probably will know the right people. Yeah. So I will do that because I haven't been to, I've never been to a hockey game. They're fun. And I, you know, the look, if this is an audio only format, but folks, if you just saw his face, he was really excited. Um, yeah. The, I want to go to a Kraken mm -hmm. uh, game. And that may be one of the only things that gets me to come to the Seattle area during winter uh, because I don't like to go across the mountains when it snows. But that would get me over here. And it, and I would really get me over here if, if you were playing. That would be very cool. Yeah, no, that's like that, that's a dream. Like my thing has always been, you know, you grow up as a kid watching all these folks play Madison Square Garden, watching everyone do that. So that's my thing. I'm like, I want key arena i'm not calling it climate yeah, pledge I want key arena i want lumen i want the tacoma dome no you don't i kind of want to play tacoma dome no you don't why not this doesn't sound good huh? it's not a good sounding venue i have i've seen lots of shows in there lots yeah and it just and maybe with sound technology is improving and it's yeah. It's a cool it's a cool building. 
Yeah. <laughs> but maybe maybe it can be a setup like um like in Dallas we played right before Dallas Stars game and we played outside of the American Airlines Center. Okay. Maybe it can be one of those joints. Okay. So I can lie on my little show resume and be like, I have played American Airlines Arena. It's in the park outside. All right. Okay. <laughs> it could be one of those joints. Right. And I touched the building while I was playing a guitar solo. So I played. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, no. I tell people that all the time. Like, yo, my face was where Dirk Nowinski held up the championship that he won for Dallas. Like, that counts. <laughs> I have that pitch. I, I am going to get that framed one day. That right. was my proudest moment as a, a young man. I had, like, there's uh, pictures of that celebration uh-huh. joint. And so there's a picture of me playing a solo on the Jumbotron on the joint and like off to the right you see Dirk with the championship in his hand I'm like man that really happened and I'm not I don't talk about that often enough <laughs> there we are talking about basketball in a town that no, I'm just kidding listen hey they're gonna come back but again y'all dodged a bullet with Kevin Durant I, but, but I don't I promise I, I want a team to come back but I don't want to take somebody else's team I don't take Sacramento no I don't want to because those they're folks, not doing anything in Sacramento no no it's no okay. but there's people there that still want that team and it's not fair to them that it's out of their control just like it was it wasn't fair to the city of seattle that the owner of the team sold to a guy who said he wasn't going to move him and then that's where it was really yeah doubly painful local ownership sold it the perception was not a lot of effort was made to sell it to another local owner mm-hmm because there was a, a guy here in quote-unquote town who ended up buying the Clippers, so he could have bought the Sonics. You know what's terrible? Y'all almost got the y'all almost got the Sonics back before Kawhi Leonard went to Los Angeles. Mm. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't go to the Clippers, good chance Steve Ballmer brings the yeah. Clippers to yeah. Seattle. So <laughs> it, it just it was just a really unfortunate slow moving car accident yeah and uh, i don't i just don't wish that on another community either i I understand i really don't as no one's going to sacramento games though yeah but are they are they are they providing a compelling reason to go no they then that's on the ownership see yeah and that's what i'm saying if the ownership gives you a compelling reason and fans don't go then i might feel differently but if the ownership's just calling me up to say hey can you come and play you know fat forward um because that's what they'd have to call me yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah um you know no no you know and like sacramento is a cool town but like mm-hmm. you know but anyway they haven't been relevant since funny uh, for a long time right i've been a while i've been a fan for a while and i have not cared about the Kings since chris weber <laughs> okay all right before we hit record today nice you mentioned you were you, you have a little blue book that you're holding in your hand uh, with great with great enthusiasm. <laughs> and uh, it's it's doesn't have any stamps in it yet. Yeah. So you're going to go on tour. Who are you going on tour with? I want to back up and say to everyone listening to this, I know I'm talking to myself a lot, uh, talking about myself a lot. And it sounds very braggadocious. I'm, I appreciate you all for listening this far, first of all. Second of all, I apologize in advance, but also third, let me have this. <laughs> it has been a very long three years. So I'm going on tour with a band called Acetone. And we are going all over the European Union. So UK, France, Germany, uh, Czech Republic, Italy. A few other places I can't readily pronounce right now. <laughs> so I, I'm laughing because my daughter li- lives in Austria and I can't pronounce half of the. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. No. I, I so acid tongue. What what genre? What style? I'm not familiar here. They are a grunge rock group here in Seattle, um, based around the duo Guy Keltner and uh, Ian. I forget Ian's last name, but uh, you're going on tour with a guy you can't remember. So I'm giving you a hard time. Now. And uh, listen, listen, 
I know too many musicians. You, you asked me about my favorite guitar players earlier. I was thinking about all the people I play with up here, and I'm like, damn, I can't think of any of these dudes' names. I just saw them last night. <laughs> but no. Nah, um, yeah, so uh, they are very popular in the scene. A lot of folks love their music. Um, I got recruited by Craigslist from them. Once again, Craigslist saves the day. Craigslist. Yes. I put out an ad. I think got shared around the Seattle scene a little bit. The guy hit me up. I was like, hey, man, I'm looking for someone to play guitar. We got like a revolving cast of people. They're like the globetrotters of music. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if so- guy's about to go on tour and, you know, do stuff in New York, he's got his New York crew. Same thing down south. He's got his down south crew. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, we're doing all that. And mexico in october nice yeah so i'm excited um oh you asked what kind of music they made i'm sorry um so like a lot of garage rock but some soulful stuff some um very punk stuff a lot of just rock and roll okay and i mean that i feel like that phrase is played out these dudes bring it bring the attitude so it's a good time and you know i i like guy's approach to things where he's very much like we're gonna put on a good show but we're also gonna kick you in the teeth you know it's gonna be something you're not gonna be able to have your back up against the wall and chilling out to you're gonna come party with us or not or 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 else okay all right and so that's in october uh no it's in september september i leave september 1st and then we come back october 3rd so you got a month in europe a month in europe i'm gonna eat so much food (laughs) (laughs) where are you excited about going in europe have you been you have you you haven't been to europe i've never been to europe okay this so where do you want to go i want to go everywhere like i'm trying not to name the obvious places no but no it's true it's where do you want to go even if it's obvious it's okay I, i i have to see abbey road i have to see abbey road if nothing else, okay, I have ob- to walk. Across. That's to- obvious. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's very obvious. Uh, I want to go there. There's also a um, very well-known basketball court that's uh, su- that's uh, supported by the Jordan brand in France. Okay. That's very beautiful. See, that's the issue with me being a musician and a former basketball fan. Mm-hmm. Or not former. Recovering. I- recovering. <laughs> If my knees will ever <laughs> will ever cooperate, I'm gonna be back out there one day. But nah, um, there's some courts I want to go see and possibly play at. Okay, there's some in Italy that I hear that are super close to the water where they play a little bit of street ball. I want to see what that's like. Okay, um, definitely want to go see the Eiffel Tower. Um, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, let me interrupt you and let's go back to Abbey Road. Yeah, so you want to walk across the street? I totally get that, and you should. Yes. Are you trying? Are you going to try to go into the studio and check it out? No, because I might not come back to the country if that happens. So, are you familiar <laughs> with a guy here in the Seattle area? His name is Jesse Butterworth. I am not. He plays in a band called the West Coast Feed. That name sounds familiar. Okay. So Jesse recorded his first solo album in Abbey Road Studios, <clears throat> and he was on he was on the show before, right? Okay. And. Uh, they literally got back the day or two days before the COVID lockdown. Yeah. So he's describing the studio, though. And basically, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but something along the lines of this. Yeah. Can you um, can you bring out the, the piano that Paul played on Let It Be so that I can use it on this track? And they would literally, it's like, I got the feeling like you probably won't, you're too young to remember this, but do you like remember what automats were like when you went to a, a, a restaurant, you could push a button and the food would come out basically like an old school vending machine type thing. Right. I've not. No. Okay. So anyway, I got the vision. It was like, you know, to be here's Ringo's <laughs> drum kit comes out, you know, that he played yeah. and, and it was like, he was describing this and I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I could concentrate. So like they're bringing out the microphones at Frank Sinatra and, had sung it you know and i'm sitting here going could you imagine going a menu of gear that you want to use by people that you hold in high regard yeah like like how can i i'm not saying anything, i mean yeah. i'm not a musician at all right I, 
I can I can't even hold this cheap microphone well. <laughs> but can you imagine? Oh, here's here's George's guitar that he played the solo on any song. And you're like, nothing's getting done that day. I'm just playing guitars. I'm playing guitars the whole day. I'm playing drums. I'm doing everything but recording an album. Right. <laughs> or, or would you get what I would do? This is, I'd be, first off, I'd be like that going, oh, can we bring out, hey, is Alan Parsons around here anywhere? Can he like mix some tape for oh us? Oh my God. You know, all these things. Like, where, where was David Gilmore? Right. You know, all, I mean, my brain would be like, bah. But then I'd be like, I'm not worthy to hold this instrument. And I'd just freak out. I would just totally get in my head and just go, I'm done. I'm out. See ya. Man, that would be before that. Right before right that before. timing. So he went back. He's recorded his second album there. Okay. He just went back, recorded his second album there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Local guy. Nice yeah. guy. Super nice guy. I got to get in contact with him. I want to I wanna hear some of his stories. Yeah. No, he's just, he's a very, very cool guy. Um, But this episode's about you, not him. <laughs> so... When you come back uh, from Europe and Mexico, what's on the horizon? I got anything. I mean, we're forecasting out a few months now, but. All right. All right. So I'm going to preface this with this. Y'all let me brag about everything I'm doing. So now we're going to get into the other side of things just in full transparency because I feel like folks need to hear what musicians can go through when it comes to that so i gotta find you know i've been here a couple months i gotta find another place to stay Mm -hmm. so this is weird dichotomy. i'm gonna go overseas and live out my dream and then come back here essentially being homeless got it and not due to anything i've done you know paid everything on time just things not working out right so probably going to end up um like looking for places to stay playing a few solo shows here and there mm-hmm. um but thankfully everyone that i play with we're gonna have a busy october um a band i play rub a, a band i play bass in rub we're gonna be releasing hopefully some eps around that time um same thing with the band lynchum and the limit another band i play bass for we should be releasing some things around that time as well um, hopefully, uh, another band I plan for Valentine, we're going to be going to be doing some recording with them as well. Um, and honestly, I'm trying to focus on stuff that I'm doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got like a collection of songs that I've been playing a lot over the last, um, year. Um, again, thank you to everyone that's booked me the last few months because it's been pretty eye-opening um the possibilities that i have and what people are willing to do and that's been a godsend mm-hmm. lately so i'm hopefully going to try and make out some studio time for myself put out a couple demos and see how that goes but um yeah no um outside of a few festivals like freak out fest not a whole lot going on this fall okay so you got to come back and deal with you know housing and yeah oh that's un- unfortunate yeah um like like i said i feel like people kind of poo poo what we do because a lot of what we do is subjective Mm -hmm. but you know uh just reminders that everyone's fighting their own battles so think twice before you're out here being disparaging about anything um just know that like we're humans just like everyone else and everyone's kind of got their own baggage, so just we never know cool. what somebody else's journey is. Yeah, we never know. I, yeah, I never. I, I totally get that. All right, so very important question. I can't remember if I asked you this question in the pre-interview. Do you drink coffee? Um, I will say yes. My friends will say he drinks hot chocolate, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I like a good mocha. <laughs> but I don't want anything that you, you like. You see that big old thing of frostuccino over there. Mm-hmm. I don't like any of the coffee that's in it. But you know what I love? I love the chocolateiness. I love the sweetness. I love those are the things I like in a coffee. Um, so your friends are right, by the way. You drink chocolate? Yeah, no. Okay. It, it is I I own it. Okay. I like 
things that taste good. I don't. All right. So where are you going to get these pseudo coffee beverages? Where's a good place? Where's a good place? Okay. Um. Ooh. Okay. So there's a place in West Seattle, kind of West Seattle slash White Center, mm-hmm. called the Birdhouse, and you'll you'll find that a lot of things with me are mainly because I just like it and the staff are dope. So this is one of those situations where I love all the staff at the birdhouse. Mm-hmm. Every time I go there, they're very kind. Uh, me and my girlfriend get sandwiches there all the time. Really good coffee out there. Um, You're the second person on the show to say that place. Oh, so what, I've, what's I, that? You know? huh? um, the, Fran. Nice. Yeah, Fran Dunaway. Uh, she She's the co-founder of Tomboy X. Okay. And um, she and her partner love that place. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, and they basically say the same thing you're saying, which is the staff is kind, nice, and all of that. Yeah, that goes a long way. It does go a long way because my thing is the experience for me is what counts when it comes to a lot of places I go to. So, like, if you were to ask me about Starbucks, I'd be like, "Meh, don't have a lot of good memories of Starbucks." Not a knock. Low key a knock. I know what happened with y'all and the Supersonics. I've not he, forgotten. He went there. <laughs> no hey no listen i have not willingly drunk starbucks and many moons and again this is a texan mm-hmm. speaking i'm speaking in solidarity so um another place that i really like this is really cute shop and um edmunds oh i i'm blanking on the name i'm going to just see if i can try and look it up we're at in edmunds downtown not downtown so it's like in this weird little i know i remember the place it's like in this in this little like pocket in edmonds that's kind of weird where it's like amongst the trees but almost like on the way to the water i'm blanking on the name it's very cute it's right across the street from fat pig barbecue um Mm. if y'all know the area please I want to say it's Mia's Cafe. It's also pastry. Okay. Yeah, no, they're very sweet up there. Um, They have Nutella coffee there. Again, it's the reason why I like it. Okay. All right. (laughs) None of the coffee, just all the sweet shit. Okay, cool. Uh, I always ask guests, where's a good place to get lunch around around you? So around me. Yeah, around you. So where's where's a good lunch spot? I mean, you're you're sitting in an area with lots of choices. How how much time you got? Okay, so. this place is unfortunately closing. Um, they're still going to be open, I think, for the rest of this month. Called East Lake Bar and Grill. Mm-hmm. Ooh, really good sandwiches there. Um, whenever you go there, go say hi to my friend Bob. Bob is also the drummer of Rub, and he is one of the sweetest men that I've had the pleasure of playing with. So go tip him a lot of money because I can't afford to right now. <laughs> Um, that's a really good place to eat. Um, vision or views out there are really pretty as well. Um, lunch, the Lunchbox Lab. Lunchbox Laboratory. Yeah. Yep. Down the road. Yep. Also really good. Mm-hmm. Um, also in the same area, walking distance, the Otter Bar and Grill. Mm-hmm. They have a burger there called Lisa's Hot Mess that has a peanut butter spread involved. Really good. Okay. Yeah. Peanut right. butter and bacon. I think that's like no, yeah. I mean, two no. things that make me happy. Add coffee and it's perfect. And, well, again, <laughs> I call it coffee. Y'all call it chocolate milk. It's okay. Some of us enjoy the finer things in life. It's a fine. All right. As we wrap this up, what didn't I ask you? Because we could we could just keep going on. Oh, these 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 conversations always keep no. Going. This is li- this is low key very therapeutic, and I don't have anywhere to be until like three today so please fire away well i want this to be the longest podcast you have ah no because i've had a three-hour one and i'll tell you what i'm not i'm not equipped for that today (laughs) (laughs) i feel you i am not equipped but what didn't i ask you what didn't we cover that we should absolutely talk about um i feel like i don't know there's a lot that i want to talk about see that's the issue with being someone that doesn't talk a ton well i'll I'll, I'll pull back i talk a lot i don't (laughs) say a lot though i don't say usually what i want to there's a lot of self-filtering you gotta do say what you want 
man, nah, don't do that. We'll be here, and you'll have a cease and desist from somebody quick, fast, and in a hurry. I actually, one of the things that I have been dealing with a bit lately is being, uh, I don't know, trying to navigate being an artist in this time of social media. Okay. And how I'm kind of tired of people treating it like it's a chore. Social media is a chore? Yeah. Well, it is because you the expect you okay if you if you pay attention to what you're supposed to do on social media mm-hmm. post 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 it's a it's a grind it's a but are you putting out anything of consequence that's the thing i feel like a lot of folks and this is going to be the overarching thing of how i feel art has gone there's too many folks playing the game of copycat we all are not being as creative as we can be and you know what it's because people got lives people got things they need to do people are not being as creative as they can be when it comes to their art when it comes to what we can do to um promote what we're doing okay I i get i get really tired of seeing the same post on my feed every day like we're all musicians here we're all you know hey come out to my show okay what else you know i got a million other people sending me the same post talking about that they got a show to play and i think in general i feel like i was just not just not the scene and not just musicians in general i just wish people were able to explore things more you know it's just you know, kind of sad because I, I teach at meter music school and I teach a lot of kids. And the thing that I tell them is I want them to explore their instrument as much as they're practicing what I give them. No one ever does it though. Same with some of the adults. I'm just like, Hey, I know you don't have a lot of time, but like find something fun about the instrument that you like and use that to practice. And it never happens. I don't know. Just, I wish the world was more allowed to be a little more creative about what they like doing, you know? Well, this could go down. I mean, you're right. We could be talking for hours on this. Yep. Cause I've, I've got, I've got, I've got thoughts that, on, that's why I've told you to put the brakes on me, son. I, got, I, got, I, got, I guess I have thoughts on this too, but I think one of the things and whether it be a musician sharing out their show and then the next show and then the next show, and then buy my merch or a sports team saying, come to the ballpark, come to the stadium, come to the ice rink, buy our merch or a marketer just marketing, you know, widgets saying, buy my widget. Mm-hmm. The Any of the platforms, they all have this like FOMO, you know, you keep scrolling because you're afraid you're going to miss the nugget, the needle in the haystack. Right. And so you keep being subjected to all this fodder. That's not particularly well thought out because you keep hoping you're going to, you know, find that proverbial, you know, unicorn. And I think from, if you're a creative, if you, if you could shut that off and just be creative, in other words, sit in your room with your guitar Mm -hmm. and fiddle. And yeah, 99.9% of it's going to suck. Let's be honest. You're, it's not going to be good. And that would be George Harrison or that would be you. It'd be anybody. It'd be anybody. But how do you get to that one-tenth of 1% that's amazing is by getting through the other 99. And if you don't pick up the guitar very often or, or whatever your instrument is, right. you don't pick up the paintbrush, you don't put, you don't write, you don't, you know, whatever it is. If you don't practice you're not going to capture excellence. You're just not. Right. And I think we're also, you know, we're, we're looking at what everybody else is doing and then we're not doing. And then we wonder why they're ahead of us, even because we're, we're the, the algorithms are wired to show us stuff that makes people, I mean, because people can look very successful mm-hmm. and not be. They can be a very thin veneer mm-hmm. on, on, in all areas. And everybody's got problems, no matter if you're, you know, the wealthiest person in the world or the homeless guy underneath a bridge somewhere. We all have problems. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be 
shut all those channels off and just practice your craft. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, how do you meet people to practice your craft with? How do I do? No, what I'm saying is, oh, you, know, yeah. you see what I'm saying? It's like, how do you know there's a show to go down the street to go see if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the venues? So, anyway. Right, for sure. So, I don't know. Another thing I want to say, and this is very peak uh, Eric and Sean here. This is 100% a message to my students because here pretty soon um, won't be teaching anymore. Be busy on the road to do so. Um, I want people to start looking at folks' actions a little more because I feel like... <clears throat> Too often we're judging by the book of the cover when it comes to how we treat folks. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I remember um, getting over here in music and I remember one of the first acts I played with, they were very much like, you know, oh, we have this, you know, look we go for and everything, yada, yada. And I remember showing up to one of our first shows and they're like, you gonna wear that? And I'm like, I'm about to play the hell of the show and you're worried about how I look. <laughs> don't don't worry about how I look. Worry about how I play. And you know, like we got a standing O that night and I played like the devil that night, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, it's just all all I'm saying is this, you're gonna see a lot of well dressed folk that dress that well just so they can sell you a bunch of lies. So, you know, don't be looking too hard at the way someone looks when it comes to what they're doing because you're gonna miss out on a lot of on a lot of hidden gems that way if you're just surface level with things you know i'm gonna stop you because i think that may be the best ending of any of my episodes oh so i'm going to extend an invitation that we do this again when you come back from europe yes okay so john thank you mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to hearing the european tour escapades oh yeah um you're gonna have to get on snapchat because i'm gonna send you all the things okay all the pictures perfect and also i'm gonna have a oh before i forget i don't want to forget my friends in edmonds it's mia and mel's mia and mel's yes okay um the only reason why i bring that up because they're like one of the first companies i hung out a lot mm -hmm. up here and i'm always gonna ride for my mom and pop shops sweet people even sweeter coffees okay last thing where can people find you online I am everywhere online. You can find <laughs> me on uh, Facebook under Sean Crawford. I am on Instagram as well under Sean Crawford. You can see my logo. It's in black and white. It's a guitar, a hair pick, and a heart. It tells you everything you need to know about me. <laughs> um, I'm also on YouTube um soundcloud i know a lot of people have been seeing my solo sets and have been asking hey when are you gonna have stuff up on spotify um i'm doing all this myself at the moment so it's gonna be a minute but i'm trying to get the ball rolling for uh the winter time for that to happen and um don't follow me on twitter that's where i talk up a lot of mess and y'all might not like me after you follow my twitter so don't try and find me on there all right <laughs> sean thank you <laughs> thank you very much y'all have a great day Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.